Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. You know, I say it every day, and I through any part of this, the scenario that we have during the day, whoever we've got on the show, I always try to rec- just help you recognize that your workplace, it's your mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers and employees may ever meet. And today's topic is going to be a little different than topics we've had in the past. But honestly, you and I, we're constantly bombarded by the media that evolution is fact and creation is fiction, that we as Christians are ridiculous for believing in a seven-day creation. We're ridiculous for believing that there's a Noah's Ark out there on some mountain in Turkey And you and I, we need to know the answers. We need to be able to defend our faith. And there's one guy, world-renowned, that knows how to defend their faith. In fact, he's defended it so much, he created an organization called Answers in Genesis. And then he built a thing called the Creation Museum. And then, just recently, he built the Ark of Noah. We call it the Ark Encounter. Ken Ham, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, it's great to be with you. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are, but I, I'm so excited that you're coming to Tampa Bay next week, that you're going to Indian Rocks, uh, Indian Rocks Baptist to speak four different times on the issues that are plaguing our minds, because people are struggling with this. Christians now, the young millennials, all they've heard all their lives is evolution, 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 that it's, that it's fact, that it's not fiction. You know, being a Generation Xer, a very old Generation Xer, I was told that there, you know, there was, that it was evolution evolutionary theory. Now it's evolutionary fact, but that's not all of what you talk about. But what's incredible, Ken, is the reputation you had because they put you up against Bill Nye, the science guy. And if there's two people that are screaming loud about two different things, evolution and creation, it's you two guys. And what's great is we so appreciate you presenting the gospel and reaching out, constantly reaching out to the, the scientific community to say, hey, listen, Christians, Christians in science can mesh. This is a real deal. Ken, before we get started with the interview, I always love to have my guests just share how they have noticed the Lord working in the intimate details of their lives. You're a busy guy. You're in charge of lots of really important things, but people want to know, hey, how is God real to you? How have you noticed him working in those intimate details in your life? Well, that's an interesting question, uh, Jim. And, you know, in in, in thinking about that, you know, in this ministry, uh, even though, you know, we we have the Ark Encounter and we've seen over a quarter of a million people come since it was opened just uh, less than two months ago, 
and you know the Creation Museum and the website and all the things that we do. Many people probably don't realize too that the attacks that we get sometimes can be can be discouraging. I, I, I'm used to the attacks from without the church, but attacks from within the church from people who compromise and sometimes it's easily easily even for for people like me to get a little discouraged. And I, I must admit that even in the past few weeks, when I mean thinking about all the media attacks that we've been receiving because of the stand we've taken and the criticism that we get because we stand on God's word, beginning in Genesis. And, you know, you're thinking about these things, and then what does God do? But bring someone along, maybe at the end of a talk that I, I gave, like last week, uh, here at the Creation Museum, and as I'm meeting people, and a young man comes up to me and says, I just want you to know that I became a Christian because of what you said, and because of your ministry, and it's totally changed my life. And, and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, thank you for encouraging me, because we need that encouragement too. And then to have a pastor come up to me and say, you've emboldened me, because you're so bold in what you say. I know you get criticism for that, but I just want you to know I'm going to go back and be more bold in preaching in my church. You know, even those little things mean a lot to someone like me because it really encourages me. Hey, the Lord really cares about the details. Oh, he does care about the details. And you've studied creation. You've seen the details. I mean, the details are out there for us to see if we're looking. But you present a message that the media absolutely wants to squash. You present a very countercultural message. You're talking about God being real and truth being real and the fact that creation is real and that science and creation mesh and that goes against the whole you know, we don't go poli- we don't go political on the show because I would mishandle it, but it goes against everything that the media is trying to promote. And so those darts that come from the world, they're fiery darts, but we've been given a shield of faith. And uh, that is, it's awesome. You do have hundreds of thousands of people praying for you all the time. And uh, you just need to know that. I know you're not going to get a hundred thousands of emails, but you probably have gotten <laughs> several, several dozens of tens of thousands of emails telling you what a great job you're doing. Well, you know, we, we praise the Lord for the effect this ministry has had on people's lives. We, You know, the ministry is called Answers in Genesis for a reason, because we want the world to know that we have answers. We want Christians to know they have answers, because what the devil has really done is attack the book, if you like, attack God's Word. And really what our ministry is all about is to equip Christians to be able to defend the Christian faith and raise up generations who know that they have answers to these attacks, like how do you know the Bible's true, and where did God come from, and how do you know those are God, and wait a minute, Noah couldn't fit all those animals on the ark, and you really believe there was a global flood, where, well, well, where's the evidence for a global flood, and where did Cain get his wife, and how to explain all the races of people if we go back to Adam and Eve, and what about dinosaurs, and carbon dating, I'm sure you've heard all those questions, and they're the ones people are familiar with, because they're the ones that are used to attack God's word today, and that's why I believe the Lord has raised up Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, because we're giving people answers, and, and I tell you, the number of people that have come to me and said, this is strength in my faith. I was having doubts because of what I was taught at school or university and this has given me answers and what a difference it's made. Ken Ham. That's right, the Ken Ham, the president, CEO, and the founder of Answers in Genesis. You can find out more about them online at answersingenesis.org. He's also related to the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned, just opened this July, Ark Encounter. Ken, as we talk about, you're coming to Tampa Bay in a couple of, just next next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I think, it's probably you're just starting, you're just starting on Saturday, excuse me, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks. You're going to speak four different times. What can people expect if they come to hear you? What are you going to be talking about? 
Well, the first thing I like to do, and I'll do this on the Saturday night and the Sunday morning services, is really help people, help Christians understand the importance of the book of Genesis. Look, we, we live in a world today in which many people in the church say, who really cares whether God created in six days, and what does Genesis really have to do with anything? Isn't the most important thing to tell people about Jesus and the resurrection? But here's my question. Where do we get the message of Jesus and resurrection from? From the Bible. And if we're going to tell people about that, we're telling them about the message of salvation, so it's about the fact we're sinners and we need being saved. Well, where does sin come from? Where do we get the message of that from? How do we how do we understand even the foundation of the gospel? Got to go back to Genesis. In fact, you know that every single one of our doctrines, ultimately, directly or indirectly, is founded in the book of Genesis. Marriage. What does Jesus say in Matthew 19? Haven't you read? Haven't you read what? Well, what we read in Genesis, that God made them male and female, which is really important to emphasize today, gender distinction, and uh, you become one in marriage because Eve was made from Adam, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, the doctrine of marriage is in Genesis. What's happened in many of our churches, many of our Christian homes, uh, we, we, because of the influence of evolution of millions of years, many people have thought, well, maybe God used evolution. Well, Genesis, I don't know what to do. I don't know about science, so I'll just ignore it. doesn't matter. I'll teach my kids about Jesus and the resurrection. But see, then we wonder, why don't they take a stand on marriage as a man and a woman? Because unless you've got that foundational history in Genesis, you don't have a foundation for understanding the gospel, for any of your doctrine, our whole Christian worldview. I want, first of all, and that's the first thing I do, is to show people how important the book of Genesis is. It's like the foundation to a house. If you want to build a Christian worldview in the coming generations, you don't build a house by starting from the roof and the walls. You've got to build the foundation and then the walls and the roof, and that's what we should be doing in building the Christian view, uh, uh, Christian worldview in the coming generations. And as we're building that house, we need to be saying, what is the devil going to be doing to try to knock down that house. There's going to be all these questions to try to create doubt, and those questions today are specifically leveled, particularly at the book of Genesis, in regards to science and so on, and we need to have answers to that. So what we're doing is giving, if you like, it's an apologetics emphasis, teaching people how to be equipped to defend the Christian faith, answer the secular questions of this age, so that we can stand on God's Word and raise up generations of kids who know what they believe, why they believe what they do, and can go out there and preach with boldness. Well, and that's really why I wanted to bring you on the show, because you talk about giving people the ability to defend their faith as as workplace ministers. I mean, everybody that's listening to the show, they're working somewhere, and they know that, they're because they've been listening to the show, they know that their workplace is their mission field, yet they haven't been given the tools... Many of them haven't been given the tools or they haven't taken the time to research the tools to understand how to defend their faith. And this is stuff being thrown at them every day on the news, every day in the newspaper, if they still read a newspaper, every day on the online news, every day by their their friends and their coworkers. They get hit with this stuff all the time because people just genuinely believe what the what the news and the media say. They don't question it anymore. No, no, you're right. And see, a lot of Christians are really intimidated. I find for a lot of people, the reason that they, they're not prepared to really be bold in their witnessing, to be on fire for the Lord, even in the workplace, is because they know, as soon as I do this, they're going to ask me all these questions, and, and, and I don't know how to answer them. And it'll be questions about how do you know there's a God, and how do you know the Bible's even true, and wait a minute, hasn't science disproved all that stuff? And, and so they feel intimidated. You know, as Christians, if we're really equipped properly, and that's why the Lord has raised up ministries like Answers in Genesis, 
there's so much available today with answers to all of these sorts of questions so that we should be the ones out there basically saying to them, come on, make my day. Ask me a question. Come on, I'm ready for them. That's how we should be. Well, and archaeology has proven so many of the stories in the Bible that, that people say, well, that, that'll never be proven. Well, we just found that town. Oh, that'll never be proven. That just, the only thing left for them to find is the ark. Yeah, and, and actually uh, what we decide to do is be, in case they don't find the, the remnants of it or the mountains of Ararat or whatever, we rebuilt one uh, right here in uh, northern Kentucky, the size of the ark, to help people understand how big it was, and we take them through and answer all these questions about the ark and the flood. And by the way, it's uh, it gotten worldwide attention. Well, yes, it has gotten worldwide. I mean, everybody was talking about I mean, you built Noah's ark. Now, you didn't, <laughs> you built it in a lot less than 125 years, I think thought that was pretty good i joked my wife and like yeah but he got it done faster so you know it's not you got to use tools and stuff but why did you build the ark you said a quarter of a million people have already visited it why did you build it because you i mean it's huge i've seen the pictures on the landscape i mean it's monstrous why did you do it well, it, it certainly is huge, and it, every time I'm down there and interviewing even kids, they say, it is huge, <laughs> it is big, and the, the reason we build it, look, Noah's Ark is well known all around the world. There are flood legends all around the world, and one of the things we wanted to do was to captivate the world's attention. What can we do to get a message to the world that the Bible is true, to build something that's going to captivate the world and, and bring the world in, not just Christians, but people from the world in, and, you know, why not Noah's Ark, because it's so well known around the world. People are fascinated by the account of Noah and, and the ark and the animals on the ark. And in the research we've done, one of the most asked questions that we know that's out there that causes doubt in regard to the Bible is, how could you believe Noah could fit all those animals on the ark? And, you know, a lot of these Christian books have these bathtub arcs with giraffes sticking out the chimney and so on. And so we wanted people to see what the real ark would look like to show them that this really did happen, make the Bible come alive, answer those questions, and most importantly, other than the cross, and the cross is the greatest symbol of the message of salvation, other than the cross, I believe Noah's Ark is the greatest symbol of the message of salvation because Noah and his family had to go through a door to be saved, and it's God who shut the door. There was one door. There was one way into the ark. God's Son stepped into history and said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he'll be saved. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Noah's Ark is a picture of salvation. It's a picture of Jesus. And if you look even in Genesis, in judgment, when God judged sin with death, he gave the message of salvation, the promise of the Messiah, in the judgment of the flood, is there's, there's God's grace and, and, and the message of salvation. You go through a door to an ark to be saved. And we're challenging people when they come to the ark. The Bible is true. God's word is true. And as Noah and his family went through a door, you need to go through a door. That door is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message of the ark. It's powerful. We're talking today with Ken Ham, the president and CEO of Answers in Genesis. You can find him online at answersingenesis.org. And you can find out more about their, the, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, which are in northern Kentucky. Ken, as you guys built that, and you know, one of the questions you know, people hear all the time, well, okay, if the Ark is real, 
how did they fit the dinosaurs on there? Because we've been told the dinosaurs are monsters, but I've heard the scientific explanation, but why don't you give it because you're way more uh, uh, adept at doing that. How did they get the dinosaurs on there? You know, when people ask me about dinosaurs, one of the first things I like to do is to say to them, what do you understand a dinosaur is? You know, most people haven't got a clue. <laughs> and, you know, there are people that say to me, but if God made dinosaurs, we don't even see them in the Bible. Well, you don't see the word dinosaur in the Bible, and they say, why not? Well, the same reason you don't see the word email in the Bible. You know, uh, the word dinosaur is a modern word. It wasn't even invented till 1841, and the word dinosaur was made up to represent a particular group of land animals that had certain characteristics. And so if you sort of get rid of the term dinosaurs in a way and think about it like this, the Bible tells us God made all the land animals, all the land animal kinds on day six. And so what we today call dinosaurs would have been a subgroup of those land animal kinds. And then it tells us that at the time of the flood, two of each kind of land animal, seven of some, but two of each kind went on board Noah's Ark. So each kind that would be underneath that group today we call dinosaurs would have been on there with all the land animals. And, you know, and then people say, but aren't dinosaurs massive monsters? Well, actually, the average size, there's two sort of groups of dinosaurs. The average size of one group is the size of a sheep, of the other group is the size of, say, a buffalo. And, and only a few, like the sauropods, were enormous, but even they hatched out of eggs, and young adults wouldn't have been that big. I suspect God would have brought young adults on board for those anyway. And, and when you actually stand back and look at how many kinds he needed on the ark, he didn't need... You know, there, there's 600 names of dinosaurs, say, but there's probably only about 60 or 70 kinds of dinosaurs. Just like with dogs, there's all these different types of dogs, but there's only one kind of dog. Uh, well, there's, there's more than one kind of dinosaur, but probably only 60, 70 kinds of dinosaurs. Most of them aren't that big. Uh, and, and for the big ones, I think God would have brought young adults. There was plenty of room on Noah's Ark for all the land animal kinds. And when you see the videos of people walking through your Ark Encounter experience, the, the full-scale, nobody's built a full-scale version of Noah's Ark since Noah, you can see how massive it is. We're talking today with Ken Ham. He's coming to Tampa Bay, to Largo, to First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks next weekend, the 10th, 11th, and 12th. You can come hear him speak about answers in Genesis and more, and hear more about the Creation Museum, read some of the books that he's written, or buy some of the books he's written, get some of the videos, and, and find out more about the Ark Encounter. Ken, when you come to those events, I imagine there's a feverish energy people just want to hear the stories they just want to hear the truth because they're 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 thirsty for it they are and you know i find uh, young people for instance they come out and say mr ham we we just love this because it makes the bible so real you know what a lot of young people today are so used to spiritual moral relationship things and and they know 85 to 90 percent of kids from church homes go to public schools and they know they're inundated with evolution of millions of years day after day and from the media and from the secular museums and and a lot of times they don't get answers and people think that they're not interested in the Bible but when you start giving them answers to these questions that they've got it, it makes them realize wait a minute the Bible's true and the Bible is not just a book of spiritual and moral things it's a book of history and it connects to dinosaurs and the Grand Canyon it connects to death and suffering it connects to the American Indians and the Eskimos it connects to every aspect of reality and it connects to fossils and and so it goes on and and they get excited and they and and I have young people coming out and saying wow Wow, this has changed my life. Wow, I want to get more of these answers. Wow, this makes the Bible true. This takes away those doubts. And, and that's really uh, what it's all about, to equip them, to embolden Christians, and to challenge non-Christians. Look, the history in the Bible is true. That's why the gospel based on that history is true. Ken, as we, we've got just a few minutes left till we get to the bottom of the half hour, 
there's this talk about well, everybody wants to know about your time with Bill with Bill Nye the Science Guy. All of our kids, my kids, grew up loving Bill Nye the Science Guy, but something happened that twisted him and, and got him angry towards the church. But you have been seen multiple times, really reaching out with an olive leaf of peace, being willing to have great conversations with this guy, really being an encourager to this guy. How hard is that for you? <laughs> well. You know, it's interesting because Bill tends to be a little condescending as he talks to me and, and that. But, you know, just recently I had invited him to come to the Ark and uh, he agreed, but he only did it because he wanted to bring a video team with him because he's making a movie next year and he's got some TV shows. And we said, okay, but as long as our video team can be there too and record the whole encounter. And so he came and uh, we, we started. He wanted to start on the third deck because uh, he wanted to, wanted to mock our teaching exhibits. But, you know, it ended up being over two hours and it ended up being what I call the second debate. And it was more of an informal debate. But as we walked through the ark, I kept challenging him. You know, Bill, uh, how do you decide right and wrong? He said, well, consensus of the tribe. Well, wait a minute. Aren't you teaching kids we're animals? Yeah, we're just animals. Aren't we related to bananas? Yes, we're related to bananas. Well, then, you know, there's no purpose and meaning in life. When you die, that's it. You're done. And that's what he said. Yeah, when you die, you're done. And so I kept pushing him to the to the uh, uh, end of the, you know, the consequence of, of his own belief system, showing how hopeless it was and meaningless it was. And, you know, the interesting thing is the opportunity arose for him, for, for me, to talk to him about uh, the message of Jesus, the, the origin of sin, that we're all sinners, and uh, present the gospel to him clearly. And there was one time during that whole two hours where I said, and, and, you know, Bill, the Bible talks about a second death. We're eternally separated from God. And I said, I don't want that for you. And he looked at me and he said, I know you don't. And he actually said, thank you. It was almost like a little veil come off his eyes for a minute. And then he put it back on. And at the end, I asked if I could pray for him publicly. And I did in front of all those people that were there at the ark that day. So, you know, Bill Nye has heard the gospel. And really, it's a clash of worldviews. And that's what people saw. It's a clash of worldviews because we have two different starting points. I start with God's word. He starts with man's word. He says everything happened by natural processes. I say, no, God created as the Bible says. And that's why we have two different worldviews. But, you know, I, I can't help but think nothing happens by chance. God brought us together. He's given me an opportunity at the debate and at this time with Bill in front of lots of people. And so I always want to use that time to, to answer questions, but then share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is so awesome. We're talking with Ken Ham from Answers in Genesis, the Ark Encounter in the Creation Museum. You can hear him live here in Tampa Bay next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks. Find out more online at indianrocks.org. That's indianrocks.org. Okay, last question. Climate change. The, the flood, in, as I've been taught, the flood inflicted the first climate change. How is, how is climate change really, and, and their whole global warming thing, really just part of this whole campaign to destroy the truth of Genesis? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Bill Nye, uh, twice now, has said to me, you deny climate change. And I said, Bill, I don't deny climate change. There's climate change. The difference is uh, why we think climate change has occurred. And he's trying to say it's mankind, man has caused climate change. And I said, well, you know, man sinned, and that's why we have problems in our world today. But climates have changed ever since the flood. The flood caused major climate change. If you don't believe in the flood, you're going to have a wrong approach to climate change. And climates do change. 
and, and I mean temperatures go up and temperatures go down and so on. Uh, a lot of what's been said about climate change these days is all done for political purposes and control. And if you believe in evolution and believe in millions of years, you see you believe that there's a tiny change, then, then those things keep changing over millions of years. But, you know, from a biblical perspective, things can happen really quickly, catastrophically, suddenly. It doesn't take millions of years. And so that's why we have whole different views of climate change. So if you've got the wrong foundation, the wrong history, uh, you'll have the wrong view of climate change. Yeah, we're running out of time, so I can't ask you about carbon dating because people really need to hear about that. But I know that you'll get asked that question when you're here in Tampa Bay at Indian Rocks Baptist Church. I know you'll get that question. Ken, before we let you go, can we pray for you now? Absolutely. All right. I would love that. Father, I just thank you for Ken Ham. I thank you for the passion you laid on his heart. I thank you for the vision that you've given him and the support, the financial support, Lord, to create a museum just to show your incredible hand in our world. And Lord, to create an ark, to rebuild the ark of Noah that so many people have said, well, like, it couldn't, it wasn't very big. And I mean, Lord, he's given a visual example for people across the globe to see your hand and to see your hand in their lives. Lord, I pray that you protect Ken, surround him with, with intercessors from all over the globe that will fight this spiritual battle, help Ken to be solid in his faith and to be reminded daily by people around him that you are fighting the battle for him, that it's not his battle. Lord, I pray that you would provide amazing financial support to be able to grow this and get people here from all over the world to be able to see the answers that they can find in Genesis. Lord, may the ministry expand and may you be glorified. And Lord, protect Ken and his family as he continues to boldly go where no one has gone before in this country. Lord, we just ask for your protection for him and we thank you for the time we have and give him safe travels as he comes here to Tampa Bay. Lord, we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken, for being on iWork for him. We really appreciate it. We look forward hey, to seeing you, you next. We look forward to seeing you next week. Will do. Right, bye bye. Bye. You can hear Ken Ham live next week at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, right here in Tampa Bay. You can find out more online at IndianRocks.org. That's IndianRocks.org. Speaking of Indian Rocks, I got a good friend of mine, Ben Futuran. He's a science teacher at Indian Rocks Christian School and a huge proponent and a and a big he loves to argue creation evolution. He loves to teach it. And I brought him on to share uh, just kind of the perspective. Ken Ham's one of his heroes. And so I wanted to bring Ben on so that you could share. Ben, your thoughts as we, we still get a couple minutes before we go to break. Your thoughts on what you heard from Ken today. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, uh, Ken Ham is doing the, the information that he's collected and just being the, the, the tip of the spear to pull um, all, all the different information from you know different scientific studies and whatever else and, and theological studies, digging into God's Word and pulling it all together and just showing how all that connects, how God has revealed himself through the creation um, and his ministry is just fantastic. It was amazing. It is. It's fun to hear his passion. I mean, there's a guy that had to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to build the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter. I mean, and he's got all kinds of materials. I mean, he's a scientist. That relates to you. I mean, you you're a scientist. Um, well, hey, we got the pastor. We've got a pastor from Indy Rocks calling in. Go ahead and put him on, Ace. You're you're live on the air with the I work for him. Who do I have? Uh, Jim, this is Tim, Tim Ferguson. Hey, Tim Ferguson. Thanks for calling in. How, how, sure. Did you enjoy the interview with Ken? Uh, very much so. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell our audience all about what's going on? What's going on at Indy Rocks next weekend? Well, well, it's not next weekend. It's this weekend. It's it what starts Saturday. It starts Saturday, uh, September tenth at six p.m. Um, uh, Ken is doing just each one of our our normal uh, weekend services uh, starting 
uh, at 6 p.m. on Saturday, and then 9 o'clock and 1045 uh, on Sunday morning. And then he's coming back Sunday night uh, at 6 o'clock, uh, and then he's got another uh, another gentleman coming with him, Tim Chafee, uh, who, who will be with him um, Sunday night as well. They're going to be going from about 6 o'clock to about 8.30. And... Uh, and we got we got stuff Monday morning for a bunch of schools that that, that we have coming out plus our school and uh, then he's going to be back Monday night as well from uh, six thirty uh, till about eight thirty. It's pretty exciting to have Ken Ham right here in Tampa Bay, and it's exciting to hear all the things. I mean, he's passionate about when you when you hear him on the air. I mean, he's passionate about what he does, and and he and he loves taking on the world and all the lies that we've all been taught. As you look at bringing him to Indian Rocks this next weekend, and that's what I meant to say this next weekend. As we look at bringing him in to Indian Rocks, what is is the biggest thing you're hoping for for people to experience? <clears throat> I mean, just what he said to get answers. I mean, I you know we a couple years ago when he debated Bill Nye the Science Guy, it was it was a requirement for Indian Rocks Christian School students to watch it, and they had watch parties, and we I mean, we watched it here at our house, and um, I, I mean, I was just amazed um, listening to him. So I, I'm. I'm I'm as anxious as anybody just to hear him and get to meet him and and, um, and and have him here at Indian Rocks. How do people find out more about how they can get involved this weekend at Indian Rocks? Uh, they can go to our website. I'm looking at it right now. Just there was it's on the main page. Just click on it. It gives you uh, everything that um, uh, all the times he's he's going to be there. Uh, it's just it's www.indianrocks.org. IndianRocks.org. Tim, as it, what a great, what a great find, what a great land to get Ken Ham in to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks this weekend, the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth. At least I had the dates all right. I, I, somehow I'm still on vacation, I guess. Tim, thanks for calling in. Thanks for arranging for Ken Ham and enjoy the conversations we have. Ben Futuran going to be giving us some more of this perspective on creation versus evolution. So we kind of have a color commentator joining us. Ben Futurand is a science teacher at Indian Rocks Christian School. Ben's a friend of mine, but he's also an expert, what I would call an expert, in defending your faith and understanding the complexity of creation versus evolution, because he's teaching kids all the time. So I bought, I brought Ben in for the second half of the interview so you guys could hear somebody that is not as famous as uh, Ken Ham just talk about the application of understanding creation and the power of, the, of that in our faith. So, Ben, you've been a teacher for how many years have you been a teacher already now? I'm in my 12th year this year. Wow. You're, you're no longer a rookie. Yeah, hope not. <laughs> so, you, where did you get your love for supporting creation? Um, you know, Romans 1 um, really hit me square between the eyes a few years ago as I was reading through it, and and where it talked about, you know, where God has revealed his very character and nature in the creation so that we are without excuse. And, you know, as a, as a younger kid, I used to think that that was just, okay, well, creation versus evolution. I thought that was fascinating, had some neat things there, but but it became so much more as I recognized that, no, like all of the creation, that means that, you know, in science and music and English and, um, you know, poetry even, I mean, the, the, the way that we can use logic to communicate clearly or that we use scientific law or mathematics that works everywhere in the universe, all of these things point back to the character and nature of God. So suddenly my entire world exploded in the ability to defend that not only does God exist, but his character, his nature, the support for scripture and everything else. So at that point, the the battle just got that much more intense. It was like, how much more information can I obtain to show clearly the truth of God compared to the lies of of Satan? Well, and if people would honestly look at 
the truths of the I mean as Roman says hey the world screams the my creation that I created all this if people would honest be honest with their pursuit of this looking at the simplest things of a tree uh, of an acorn I love when when we my Martha and I do marriage retreats I love bringing acorns so like everything that's needed to grow a hundred foot tall oak tree is in this little acorn how did it get there did it just happen by chance? Yeah, he just if people would think through like the Big Bang theory. Like, okay, last time I saw an explosion, everything didn't come out perfectly round. <laughs> yeah, people are like, well, of course it makes sense that everything's perfectly round. <laughs> You're like, come on. But so you 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 saw this reality that your faith and science really meshed. Absolutely. I mean, um, I believe uh, so. One of Ken Ham's book that I read um, was talking about how there is uh, for the Christian scientist, our faith and our science actually make sense. But just like he was mentioning a moment ago when he was talking to Bill Nye, there are there are certain fundamental beliefs that that science that secular scientists hold that actually doesn't mesh with their own worldview. I mean, just like you mentioned with the Big Bang, why is it that the the laws of science, the intangibles? actually remain constant if everything else is changing if it started with just this moment where you know bang everything suddenly pops into existence why did it pop into existence i thought newton's first law said that if it's in a certain state of motion it's going to stay there unless it acted on by an outside force so why would it choose to change and and if we've had these evolutionary processes changing over time you know over these billions of years why is it that the laws of science haven't also changed over time and my students and i were just talking about it today imagine how terrifying life would be in this world if suddenly the laws of science change you're flying in a plane one moment and then Bernoulli's the principle lines stops. Of the, 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 the science math i mean if all of that stuff started i mean it's all predictable. The only mathematical equation that doesn't work is tithing because it's 100 minus 10 still equals 100. All the other mathematical, everything else in the universe is predictable by math. So, okay. All right. So I, I don't, we're not going to argue that because I don't need to argue with you. But it, people listening today need, they need some they need some talking points because a lot of people, they don't even know how to defend their faith. They don't, they don't when they look at creation versus evolution they I mean when i was a kid i'm 50 years old when i was a kid when i was in uh, i can remember reading my seventh grade biology textbook and it said the evolutionary theory well they don't talk about it as a theory anymore they never ever got to the proving point they never ever found any of the proof that we that we uh, evolved from primordial goo as they said on star trek or from apes or any they never they never found any of those in between people that the show we evolved yet it somehow went from theory to fact and creation went from fact to well that's just a lie so is there any proof of evolution you know i think it's uh Yes, they would say there is. And what uh, what what ends up happening is from from an evolutionary standpoint, the 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 proponents of evolution end up mixing their definitions. They actually have three different definitions they use for the word evolution. So they talk about that evolution means mutation, which is absolutely true. We see that in science today, you know, through through fruit flies that can go through cycles really quickly or whatever else. We see mutation and yes, mutation absolutely happens without a doubt. Sure, look and, at mutations. Your head's got hair on it, mine does not. There's a <laughs> right. mutation. Sure. Um, so then we we also then they also say that well, you 
you know, therefore, because these mutations, we see a change over time. You know, we see the whole big beak, small beak thing, you know, from, from Darwin's finches and whatnot, uh, which is absolutely true. We see that. We see it within the, what we call the operational science or the, the stuff that makes, you know, computer chips faster and planes fly better and whatever else. The stuff we can test over and over. We see that. Absolutely true. And so they say, well, see, evolution is true because we have these mutations and we have this change over time. Evolution is true. But then they take this third step and they go to a third definition where it's that theory part where they then say, so therefore, we must have all evolved from common ancestry. And so at that point, they've now changed their entire scientific focus from the operational side of the things that we can test over and over. And instead, they look at this other side where it's the forensics or the looking back at the stuff that we can't test. And we're just making educated guesses as, as best as possible. But they equate the three different definitions as one and say, well, then clearly evolution is true. Yes, mutation. Yes, change over time. I don't know any Christian scientists that would, that would argue that. We agree. But we do not agree to then their, their final conclusion that we all came from common ancestry. We all came from primordial goo. That's what they said on Star Trek. All right, Ben, we're talking with Ben Futuran, science teacher at Indian Rocks Christian School. Here's a free plug for you. Indian Rocks Christian School. And we're talking about creation versus evolution. We're talking about creation because Ken Ham is coming to First Baptist Indian Rocks, coming in Tampa Bay, the only church in Tampa Bay, First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks, this weekend. Ken Ham. You got to see him. Answers in Genesis guy. He went head-to-head with Bill Nye, the science guy. And won. That's right, because he speaks the truth. Ben, what are the evidences out there that support creation? Okay, so there are obviously books upon books that, that is written on this topic, and we can't we can't cover all of them. But as you mentioned a second ago, you know, people that are in the workplace, um, talking points really are important. To to have a couple go to places that that you you can know a few of the facts, a few of the the millions of facts that are supportive of scripture. Um, and, and one of my favorite ones that I teach my students is we talk about you know going all the way back to the very beginning, um, back to that moment of the Big Bang. Um, and so the question, of course, that that believers need to ask those who believe in evolution is where did it come from? Where did the matter come from? Where did the energy come from? Where, uh, what started the whole process? You know, right now within the laws of physics, um, you know, they state that matter cannot be created or destroyed. They also state that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So the question then is why did it begin to exist. Um, and so that is one of the best questions you can ask. And it can always be like, well, it, it came from, you know, the gases. Well, where'd that come from? And well, it came from, you know, other gas. Where'd that come from? And, and there's just no answer to get to the end. So when, for a believer, you know, as a Christian, we can look at that and say that, you know, God began the process and therefore God created out of nothing and was able to, to start the process and then, you know, divinely, you know, crafted all of creation. And so for any evolutionist that's out there, they, they get stumped at that question because there is just no evidence. There's just no um, theories that can get us beyond that hump, nothing with any kind of, you know, strong support. What else? What else you got for supporting for creation? Oh, man. Um, well, yeah, I can see you got like four talking points. I do, right yeah. Well, I'm just trying to pick which one. Um, I, I would say that the the next, uh, my next favorite one to go to with my students is talking about the uh, the argument from design, the the fact that we see such order and structure in the world around us. And, and I, I tell them that um, in, in almost every other scientific field that we have, where we see order and structure, specifically information, um, there's no doubt that that information came about by an intelligent being. And so the, the classic example is, of course, the, the, the watch in the woods. You know, if you're walking through the woods and you come upon a pocket watch sitting on the ground, you don't look at that and instantly go, oh, wow, look what, you know, the billions of years plus time and wind and pressure and everything else created this thing with gears that work together and a spring that's wound and it actually keeps track of the sun moving 
moving across the sky, we look at that and instantly say, wow, someone lost a watch because this clearly was created. It's not accidental or random or, or, or anything of that nature. Um, you know, a more modern day example would be if the Mars rover was rolling around and suddenly came upon this beautiful obsidian obelisk, you know, like, like they had in Egypt, you know, that was, you know, perfectly smooth and clean with all the hieroglyphics and everything else. We're not going to look at that and say, wow, what fascinating erosion patterns. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We wouldn't, although they would try to, they would try to do that. We've had a fast moving conversation today about a topic we've never really tackled here and I work for him. Creation versus evolution. And here's why we haven't tackled it. It's not my gift. I am not a scientist, but there are a lot of people are. And we had Ken Ham on from Answers in Genesis. He was talking about how he's coming here to, to Largo, Florida this weekend at First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks. It is an unbelievable opportunity for you to come here for free. Find out more at IndianRocks.org. And after Ken, for color commentation today, Ben Futurant, science teacher from Indian Rocks Christian School, friend of mine who can debate this stuff ad infinitum. That's why he's on here, not to debate with me because there's no debating. But Ben, you were going through right before the break, talking points for people to be able to have conversations. Now understand, everybody hear me out on this. You can't argue people into the kingdom, but you can have honest, good conversations and challenge people to do their own research. Because if you can get people to actually do research on the scriptures and research on creation, they'll start to see that a lot of their arguments start to fall apart. Ben, you were talking about Darwin to me during the break and how Darwin said, hey, if this happens, then my theory falls apart. What were some of those things? Uh, two things that Darwin mentioned um, in his book, Origin of Species, was that if we could not find uh, significant missing links, you know, those transition forms in between, um, then, then his theory would fall apart because he said there should be copious evidence uh, of that. Uh, the second thing you talked about was if there's a way that you could prove that the progression of life could not have happened through small micro evolutionary steps, you know, where it had to make some giant leap, then his theory would fall apart. And so uh, based on those two claims right there, as of today, from what I understand from my most recent reading, we have fewer hypothesized transition forms today than we did in Darwin's day. So Darwin had a small number that they had found they thought were transition forms through fossils and whatnot. And, uh, and, and so they had them at that time, but he thought there should have been a whole lot more for his theory to be sound. And so he thought they just hadn't had enough time to dig them up. Well, nowadays we've gone through and identified that what we found was not actually a new species or transition form. It was two separate ones or it was its own species in of itself or whatever, but they've, they've disproven most of those and therefore we have fewer supposed transition forms today than we did back then. Well, let's just go for the simple guy like me. I remember reading just a few years back how when they started looking inside of DNA, they found machines. What is it called again? Uh, I believe you're referring to the the the, fla- the motor of the flagellum. Now, is that inside the DNA or is that just inside a cell? It's inside a cell. Okay, yeah. sorry, sorry. Again, okay. I'm not a scientist, but they found machines inside the inside the cell. They thought it was just a, at first just a gob of goo, but what they really found was complex machines. Absolutely. They found, as we look deeper into the cell, we see machines that are making machines that are making machines. These protein structures that are being structured so that they can go and make new protein structures to ship off to different parts of the body. Again, these are just these, these uh, Michael B. he coined the phrase irreducible complexity. It's, it's so complex that if you take away any one part, it ceases to function. So those machines create the DNA because they're working on the protein stuff. Uh, they, they, yeah, they help synthesize and organize in the splitting process and whatnot, I believe. Yeah. All right. All right. So, but the bottom line is 
It's so complex, it never could have happened by chance. Could not happen. You remove any one piece of that, that small, tiny, micro-evolutionary step that Darwin said, if you remove any one, the whole process falls apart. I mean, the cell, just when a cell splits, it requires seven steps simultaneously. You remove any one, it's not that it doesn't split, it's that it dies. So imagine you got the primordial ooze with one cell, the first single-cell organism ever, and it tries to split without all seven steps, and then it dies. we got to start from square one again of no life. And it was, so It was primordial, primordial goo. Excuse me, primordial goo. Goose. Exactly. That episode in Star Trek. Okay. Ben, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate your passion for creation. Keep teaching those kids. We need the next generation to be able to support their faith. Thanks, Ben Futuran. My pleasure. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work for Him show, I hope you enjoyed this today because it was just trying to give us the tools to be able to defend our faith. You know, I'd love for you to be able to defend your faith, but it starts with praying for those co-workers and employees that you've got in your workplace. Join the I Work For Him Nation tonight. Start praying for those people that you work alongside so you've got an opportunity to be Jesus to them. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him. <laughs> <laughs>